1: Abraham Lincoln Radio
0: Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe
3: Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show.
4: I think
1: addiction
4: is one of the most fascinating topics about uh, human nature all the way around. It's just, it's just, it's, it's so interesting and fits in with uh, probably with the homeless thing I'm about to talk to, talk about, because he's probably an addict of some sort. I mean, some, some of you all don't believe in addiction. Everything's a personal choice. Um, Some of you believe everything in his addiction And there's no such thing as personal choice I think it's somewhere in between there But I'm not exactly sure where you draw the line Yeah, there's a lot that's still not known Uh, Oh, God, a ton that's not known Here's an example, though A Los Angeles nun Who had taken a vow of poverty Embezzled $835,000 to fund her gambling habit Oh Clearly a gambling addict Wow and couldn't overcome it. Um uh, Margaret Cooper, 79, charged Tuesday with wire fraud and money laundering. Embezzled over 800 k in donations, tuition, and fee money from St. James Catholic School in L.A. Uh, in Torrance, actually. Um, was the school principal for 28 years. All those people that donated that money, you know, to do God's work. And she squandered it on gambling.
3: Wow. I can't even imagine the stress that that sort of lifestyle would would
4: put you through. And yet she couldn't or wouldn't stop. Um I read the other day is first time I'd ever come across anybody saying what I have said for years. Uh, but it was somebody saying about how uh, if you have an addiction of any kind, you can recognize it's an addiction Uh, But you don't get other people's addictions. So like, I'm an alcoholic. Gambling seems stupid to me. Stop. Why don't you stop? It's moronic. (laughs) You're going to lose more than you win. Duh. uh, Duh. People, people who are gambling addicts think, you know, why don't you stop smoking or whatever? You know, just whatever your thing is, you realize I have no control over this. No matter what. I know it. I know it doesn't make sense. I'm still doing it. Um, but we don't get other people's. So I don't know. Anyway. Uh, brief version of this. I uh, uh having trouble getting Henry take some medicine he needed to take. Offered him uh he you can get every whatever you want at Baskin Robbins if you take your medicine. That was good enough. He took his medicine. Off to Baskin Robbins we go. First uh probably the third time we've been to Baskin Robbins this Baskin Robbins in like two weeks. Same freaking loser degenerate hobo parked on the same bench outside Baskin Robbins, the best place to sit in the area under a shade tree, shops and stores around, downtown of a very upscale town. He apparently owns that bench. He's always on that bench. Nobody else can sit there. There are two benches next to it that nobody sits on unless there's another degenerate homeless person comes by. They're willing to sit next to him. Nobody else does because he's like laughing to himself, then arguing, then kind of crying or asleep. He smells Mm. like a garbage dump and he's been there three times in the in the last week and a half and i took a picture of him and i wanted to like piece together some sort of brilliant by my standards this guy apparently owns this bench and explain you know how what that takes away from all of the rest of us because he's decided that bench is his and why we put up with it Right, and I know including this is, the business,
3: which is paying very high taxes to oh, be right there.
4: Oh, yeah, and, uh, and I know this happens in towns all around America. Why did we decide? He gets to have the n- n- nice spot, shade tree with your ice cream, your magazine from the cool bookstore over there, whatever. He gets to own that bench. We don't just because he decided that's where he's going to sit his filthy bum every single day. Um, maybe you think every homeless person you come across is a a gentle soul who's just screwed by the system. That's not always the case. And you don't know until something happens. So anyway, we got this text What I thought was interesting, um... Who 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 lives in the same town uh, I'm near, apparently. The bum you're talking about, his name is... Gives the name. As a manager of another downtown business, it's funny. As soon as you start talking about it, I knew exactly who you are talking about. Every so often, he'll just stop in front of our store and he'll talk to people at random and they get freaked out and scurry away. Really great for business. But my point mm-hmm. was, I wanted to, like... Post something on uh, Twitter or write to the newspaper and say, this guy clearly owns this bench. It's his bench. I've been here three times in the last week and a half. He's always at this bench. Nobody else gets to sit here. He's too scary looking and sounding for anybody to sit near him. So he's taken the nice shady spot and our beautiful downtown square, and he owns it. Have we decided that that's a good thing? It seems to me that there's two things. Since he's talking to himself and everything like that, is he crazy? If he's crazy, you got, we got to get him. Society has to get a crazy person into some sort of facility. If he's mm-hmm. crazy, you just can't leave him there on the bench talking to himself and owning that public space. Or it seems like
3: an odd policy for an advanced society. Or he's, he or he's a loser drug addict, in
4: which case he needs to be booted out. That seems like those are really the only two choices.
3: Yeah, well, that's uh, progressive policy has nothing but compassion to it. It has no order. It has no discipline, you know. And and it, it, it all good policy has to have a mix. I mean, they. they <laughs> Well, I, I said it. It's all compassion, no discipline. And the result is that the undisciplined get to run roughshod and and the citizens just get
4: screwed. It's wild that we just give over public spaces to the homeless though. Well you get that over you get that underpass now. That's just yours, I guess. Or this uh this bench in front of this business, I guess that's just you and your buddies now. You guess it doesn't it belongs to you now.
3: Why? It's it's the parks and schools that really bother me because they're so expensive and they're, you know, the taxpayers all get together and, and it's not cheap to build and maintain a nice park. The Department of Parks and Recreation, perhaps you've heard of it. They all make money over there.
4: Came across this kind of randomly from agweb.com. I don't know their act at all. While America slept, China stole the farm. I didn't know any of this stuff. American farmers are asleep. As a thief strips machinery, barn, bins, and fields of all valuables and then returns for more, China has breached the inner walls of the U.S. agricultural industry in what has arguably been the most expansive heist in farming history and is currently attempting to steal or hack every conceivable facet of U.S. agriculture technology. The Chinese Communist Party openly has declared its intent to dominate high-tech industries across the world, including agriculture, by 2025. That's just three and a half years from now. Undergirding its technological superiority effort, China has unabashed plans for a solo climb to the top rung of the global power ladder by 2049, as we all know. In order to fuel its ascendance, the CCP is engaged in widespread theft, cyber hacking, and espionage. We've talked about this in the past. A 27 report by the um, uh, U.S. Commission on uh, American Intellectual Property estimates that between a quarter of a... Uh, trillion or six hundred billion dollars is taken out of the U.S. economy each year by China, uh, stealing our intellectual property. Six hundred hmm. billion a year? That is absolutely unbelievable. In 2020, the FBI acknowledged multiple espionage benchmarks. A new China related counterintelligence case opens every 10 hours. Over half of all active FBI counterintelligence cases involve China. Over half of all of them. And wow. across the last 10 years, economic espionage with links to China jumped by 1300%.
3: Can you imagine if a country had a whole of society, you know, 100 year plan to, to, to rip off, to dominate, to, to, to steal from and, and surveil its, its great rival? And that great rival was in the midst of a period where it was saying, come on in. Sure. No problem. To the point that, and I've told this story before, where the FBI went on to a major college campus, told the university president, a number of the Chinese scholars you have working here are uh, Chinese agents. They're spies. And they were told, get off my campus, you racists. This was not long ago. It was in the 2000s. Can you imagine a a, a target so soft? God, China just, they've got to be guffawing behind closed doors. And, and sad that it's come to an end, and, and they're a little pissed off. but
5: well, I think Boo-hoo.
4: they're mostly surprised it lasted so long. Anyway, this article goes into depth on how particularly they're aiming at agriculture and just robbing us blind, and, uh, and we're not paying any attention to it, which fits in a little bit with this um, podcast out of the New York Times for today, uh, David Sanger and others, talking about how uh, Trump set the table for how we we're going to try to take on China, Sean, and uh, and uh, that Sanger clip that we are talking about earlier, how uh, Trump had set the table for taking on China around all this theft and everything like that, and uh, Biden is continuing it.
5: That's right. Japan was a commercial adversary, but not a military adversary, and China's the opposite. But you know, Michael, something else happened in the course of this that changed the debate, and that was Donald Trump. What do you mean? He walked away from all of the usual Republican ideology on this issue and many others. When he made that turn about a year and a half ago at the beginning of the pandemic and began describing China not as a potential dealmaker with the United States, but as its mortal enemy. And that cemented the view in his own party, any bill that was described as a counter-China bill was worth passing, that was what changed the debate. And when President Biden came in, he actually extended this debate by casting mm. it as the battle between democratic forces and autocracy.
4: And the Senate passed one yesterday, and so that's two days in a row that we've had reporters on from trump hating newspapers who say Trump was on the right side of this when he started to take, treat China like a, an enemy. Josh Rogan yesterday from the Washington Post and that's David Sanger from the New York Times that that pivot that happened because Trump didn't give a crap what uh <laughs> you know what what was was the orthodoxy or the studies that said or the policy people or whatever, about how you should approach this. He just declared all of a sudden, China's an enemy. China's an enemy of the United States, and here's what they're doing. And I'm going to sanction them and this and that.
3: Yeah, it's, it's amazing. I was just reading an article about all the people in the, the Biden administration who are married to other people in the Biden administration or their sister is the editor in chief of the Washington Post or whatever. Just the incredibly small nature of Washington. And I think most of us don't quite get how if the entire, you know, patched elbow pipe smoking intelligentsia of the State Department The whole culture of D.C. believes one thing about, for instance, China policy. It's hard to go against that and say, Mm -hmm. no, you're all wrong. They're robinous blind. They're our mortal enemy. And That's sociologically, for some reason, hard for people to do because they want to be popular in that big high school. Well, Trump came in and he didn't give a crap you know for better or worse and in the case of china policy it may have saved our ass oh, absolutely. the fact that he knew those people would never accept it
4: how long would it have taken for a president to have had the guts to uh, to really turn the, the 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 ship the other direction on china remember day 1 of his presidency there were two stories day 1 of his presidency one how big was the crowd on the mall and two, that he made a phone call to the leader of Taiwan. And oh boy, that just shows how stupid Trump is. You are not supposed to do that. You are supposed to talk to China first because it's important that we, that China realizes that Taiwan, blah, blah, blah. He got so much crap for, for, for not getting it. He knew exactly what he was doing. He was poking China in the eye and saying there's a new guy here with a different attitude.
3: Armstrong and Getty and Getty. This is the best of Armstrong and Getty. Uh, I almost shouted mailbag. Sorry. Wow. Uh, Freedom-loving quote of the day first. Sent along by alert listener Ken. It's from SCOTUS Opinion. I thought I was good. When a student first encounters our first our free speech jurisprudence, he or she might think it is influenced by the philosophy that one idea is as good as any other, that in art and literature, objective standards of style, taste, decorum, beauty, and aesthetics are deemed by the Constitution to be inappropriate, indeed unattainable. Quite the opposite is true. The Constitution no more enforces a relativistic philosophy or moral nihilism than it does any other point of view. The Constitution exists precisely so that opinions and judgments, including aesthetic and moral judgments about art and literature can be formed, tested and expressed. What the Constitution says is that these judgments are for the individual to make, not for the government to decree even with the mandate or approval of a majority. Hmm. Well said, sir. Well said. That's hate speech is not free speech. I hate you. That's hate speech. Mailbag. (laughs) And appropriately appropriately enough I sound like Joe Biden. Uh, According to T-Sot Greetings guys, I thought I would would pass along a statement I read this evening out of my current book As I think it highlights beautifully the human conditions that's being hijacked by critical race theory Ah, the human conditions It's from Why People Believe Weird Things by Michael Shermer I'm not familiar with the book, it sounds intriguing Quote But as soon as a group sets itself up as the final moral arbiter of other people's actions, especially when its members believe they have discovered absolute standards of right and wrong, it marks the beginning of the end of tolerance, and thus reason and rationality. Holy crap, if that doesn't describe the cult of critical race theory, I don't know what does. Yikes! That's pretty good. Yeah, that is. Uh, Moving along to uh, the correspondence proper, William writes, oh, Michael. da 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 You probably want to get a certain little bell ready. President Biden's comments after the summit with Putin reminds me of when Neville Chamberlain returned to England after his conference with Adolf Hitler, in which Chamberlain gave Hitler the green light to invade Eastern Europe. That didn't remind me of that much. No, that didn't occur to me. It wasn't terribly strong, but I I don't know. Well, we'll talk about that more later. Uh, guys, I'm listening to the, uh, today's show, and you're talking about the fires started by bums and junkies. Here's how my Saturday afternoon went. I'm in the wind, watching this fire, started by bums and junkies, head straight for my house, praying the fire department would arrive soon. And in the time I had to grab a few things, my pad, alert the neighbors who were oblivious. It was surreal. Watching the flames, listening to the whispers of the fire burning through dry grass and weeds. Thank God for everything that went right. And no one but the junkies lost their homes, as it turns out. Commented yesterday, uh, the uh, Los Angeles Fire Department, and it could have been, you know, L.A., the Bay Area, Sacramento, anywhere on the West Coast, because it's so dry, um, saying that they respond to a dozen fires a day set in the bum and junkie encampments. And if you're new to the show, yeah, bums and junkies. Those are not the families trying to get back on their feet. You never see them. They're in the shelters. They're behaving themselves. They're working as hard as they can to get their lives going again. God bless them. I, I wish them well. The tent cities, those are bums and junkies.
5: Yeah.
3: Uh, note from Terry here. I cannot understand all of the mask wearing people of all ages wearing masks outdoors yesterday. Is this the result of a year of brainwashing by our government through every media outlet? The Fauci fear drip was slow and steady, but did the job. Then she name checks a bunch of towns around where she lives where people are outdoors alone wearing masks.
4: I want to take, the, I want to talk about that later because there's a certain argument of why do you care if people wear masks? I'll tell you why I do care that other people are wearing masks when they don't need to. I think it's very important, but, uh, get into that later. I'll stay tuned.
3: And this from Jeff. Guys, I still wear a mask outdoors, and I also keep an iron lung in the spare bedroom, just in case my polio vaccine fails. <laughs> KJSOT, keep Jonah's sock off Twitter. Jeff in Santa Rosa,
1: California. Oh, now that is funny. Armstrong and Getty.
4: Armstrong and Getty. This is the best
0: of Armstrong and Getty.
4: Well, one person out there enjoying the post-vaccine freedoms is Delaware senator and man who just realized why this subway car is empty, Tom Carper. Carper drew some attention this week when he was spotted at a gas station in his home state dressed like this. Whoa! Looks like gas isn't the only thing Tom's been pumping. I think it's time for the Senate to step aside because this is obviously the world's most deliberative body. <laughs> I gotta say, the most shocking part of this is that someone with a camera said, Hey,
3: that older gentleman standing with his nips to the wind next to a 2001 Chrysler town and country kinda looks like Delaware Senator Tom Carper. I'm getting 75 cents from TMZ. <laughs>
4: So Stephen Colbert is talking about this picture that Sean gave me. So he is standing this, you know, and it hadn't even struck me. Now I'm not, I don't care what you drive, but it does add to it that he's, he's standing next to his $10,000 minivan. A U.S. freaking senator shirtless next to his old minivan. While he's filling up with gas, he thinks, Oh, well, you know, I'll take a, catch a couple of rays. So he takes off his shirt and stands over on the sunny side where the van is in the sun. And just stands there with his chest out.
1: He's like supposed <laughs> to be like
4: 70 years old. I mean, it'd be weird if he were 40, but it's like a 70 year old man making sure he catches, you know, an extra three minutes of sun while I'm uh, gassing up the minivan.
3: I could either stand here for three minutes or I could get some sun.
4: <laughs> I could get my tan on. I could get dark. <laughs> wow. Right on the street across from the Home Depot. So he's a U.S. senator. He's not obviously not worried about being uh, spotted or identified or anything. That's odd behavior. That's just odd. It's harmless, probably. A little vitamin D while I'm out, just multitasking. Well, what's That's a good point? People would think it was weird if I did it. If there was a picture of me, like I'm getting gas, and you see me take. You know, I'm getting, I look at my watch, I look at the tank, and I take off my shirt, go stand in the sun like this for a while. Like a cat finding a beam <laughs> right. of light through the window. Right, let alone <laughs> a U.S. senator. It makes you wonder whether he's got a screw loose, honestly. Yeah. Doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, so movie pass, the idea was you bought a movie pass, and then for nine ninety five a month, you could go to as many movies as you wanted. This was legit one of the greatest times of my life. I had so much fun with MoviePass. Well,
3: and like I said, I bought one for my son, and I remember at the time, we were discussing how can they possibly make this work, that the math
4: doesn't work. Launched in 2011, geez, was it that long ago, MoviePass gained more than 3 million subscribers, way more than expected. And during a 2017 promotion offering any movie, any theater, uh, any day for nine ninety five a month, that's when you jumped on it, huh, Sean? Yeah, I, w- I was in. It that at that That's pretty point. cool. If if I would if back when I could go to movies, any movie, any theater, any day for nine ninety five a month, it's a clear win. So th- this was at a time when theaters were struggling, and their their business plan was essentially we are going to buy the tickets at full retail, and once we go to the movie chains and show how much traffic we are driving. We will be able to negotiate down a better price point in the future. The movie chains eventually said, no, we're not going to negotiate. And then they essentially went bankrupt, which yeah. is what leads to a lot of this. Yeah. It's to get the fun parts coming up. So their 450,000 most active users were really going to a lot of movies. And so this was the, 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 the finances on this were not working. Because MoviePass was having to pick up the tab for those tickets, right? They were paying full retail when yeah. I, I would pay the ten dollars a month subscription, and then every time I went to a movie on the back end, they were essentially just paying full retail and then hoping which they was could...
3: roughly how much do you suppose on average? Uh Those tickets, uh, twelve bucks maybe. So they they were losing money on every single transaction. Yeah. So okay. they
4: started doing things where your password word word wouldn't work on purpose. <laughs> or you couldn't, if you went to reset your password, you couldn't. You'd get network fail. <laughs> you know, and I've wondered about that with other companies so many times. Now I'm even more suspicious, now that we've got documented evidence that a company does it. Um, it's like Facebook's thing. Oh, you can you can get out of Facebook. You can quit your Facebook account. <laughs> except you go to the account, and every time you go and try to get out of it, it's always, you know, not available at this time or busy tr- traffic or something like that. So MoviePass would do that. Yeah, uh, network fail. Try again later. So when you run into that with a company, they might be doing it on purpose. Wow.
3: Wow. That's funny. Yeah,
4: it is. Well, they, they
3: saw, I mean, like Amazon, you remember what a joke it was that Amazon lost money year after year after year. Will it ever turn a profit? What is Jeff Bezos thinking? Well, they figured, okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll build it. We'll renegotiate. We'll make a mint, but it didn't
4: work. And it clearly never
3: could. i I thought but
4: anyway you need to reset your password why do i need to reset your password well the guy from colonial gas company by the way the pipeline colonial pipeline he got mm -hmm. grilled by the senate yesterday and he said i had a complicated password (laughs) senators were trying to claim that he had an easy password like colonial one two three or something he said no we had a complicated password all right oh i just i just learned some really interesting stuff about spear
3: phishing about how i don't what, always the assume actual act of killing fish with standing <laughs> in a canoe <laughs> no indeed the internet practice of, okay. of sending you phony emails that you then click on and that lets the uh, you know the bad guys into your computer system i would always thought it was just a numbers game and they sent out these bulk emails but no they're highly customized they will research the key people in a company they'll go over their social media postings oh, really? figure out what their hobbies are and the rest of it So, you know, they might come to me and say, uh, Joe Getty, we notice you have a uh, a vintage Telecaster. Uh, Did you know that it's worth twice as much as it was last year? And I'd be like, what? Really? And click on that and bingo, bango uh cozy bear is uh is sleeping on my sofa if you will you know or you know the the russian hackers are are ooching their way through our infrastructure
4: i don't always do what you're supposed to do which is to go to the company website sometimes i click on the email like if my credit card says uh did you just spend you know fourteen dollars at the circle k and if i did i assume that's got to be real how would anybody else know that i was just at the circle k and spent fourteen dollars
3: But unless the greasy teenager behind the counter is working for the Russian mom, you don't know. (laughs) Speaking of beliefs, I have a new one. I am in favor of approval voting. It's a new voting system. We need to throw out our current system. So here's the Schrodinger's cat thing. The whole, the cat is in a box. There's a mechanism that will unleash radiation. You don't know if it's been unleashed. According to quantum mechanics, the cat is simultaneously both dead and alive until the box is open and the cat is observed. The story seems to be that quantum mechanics is so weird. A cat can be both alive and dead until we look. Except this misses, <laughs> except this misses the point. Here's what Schrödinger wrote himself. Oh, that's funny. One can even set up quite ridiculous cases. Then he describes the cat thing. It is typical of these cases that an indeterminacy originally restricted to the atomic domain becomes transformed into macroscopic indeterminacy, which means something big is, we don't know what's going on with it. This, that prevents us from so naively accepting as valid a blurred model for representing reality. Don't worry. This gets clearer. And um, better. <laughs> there is, there is a difference between a shaky or out of focus photograph and a clear snapshot of clouds and hmm. fog banks. Sure, it's it's actually the basis of maybe Bigfoot is blurry. <laughs> <laughs> right, uh, right. So quantum mechanics claims subatomic particles can be in a blurred or indeterminate state. We don't know if they're X or Y. If that's the case, create a scenario where that blurriness determines the fate of a big object, something we can comprehend, like a cat. Because it's absurd for a cat to be blurred, right? The subatomic particle can't truly be blurred. The analogy is just because the camera's out of focus doesn't mean things in the world are actually blurry. We just don't know yet.
4: I think Schrodinger is just kind of trying to cover for the fact that he didn't feed his cat. He's a terrible cat owner That's <laughs> he, per- the only thing I he, f- he of forgot to feed his cat and he comes up with all this complicated quantum <laughs> physics stuff
3: Oh no, it may be alive just don't open the box <laughs> you don't you don't understand I put the cat in the box to illustrate something
4: <laughs> I've won a Nobel Prize. How many Nobel prizes have you won? Leave my cat alone <laughs> <laughs>
3: Mind your own cat So here's what approval voting is. And uh, how much time do we have, Michael? Ah, oh, dang it. One minute. All right. I will, I will give you the, the basic outline. And then I will uh, tell you we have something really interesting coming up. If you have, say, six people running for president, you vote for whichever ones you approve of. Maybe it's three of them. Maybe it's one of them. Maybe it's five of them. Can I do all six if I wanted? Yes, you can. Absolutely. But then how do
4: they pick a winner?
3: Whoever gets the most votes, whoever the most people approve of. So Interesting. I could vote for the Libertarian candidate, but I'm fine with the Republican. So it would be a much more accurate gauge of how much support each party has and what each set of ideas have, which is useful, you know, on a practical level in terms of fundraising and seeing that, oh, my God, my party that never, ever wins is actually in second place for
4: for support. Yeah, because gotta- that is possible.
3: Armstrong.
0: and getty this is
4: the best of
0: armstrong and getty
4: a show is about to go off netflix you know how shows rotate in and out mm-hmm. of these various streaming services they're about to take twilight zone the original twilight zone down in two weeks and i thought i'll bet my oldest sam would love twilight zone text line what are the episodes if i'm only going to catch like three four episodes of twilight zone before they pull it off of netflix which are the three four that i should go to Text line four one five two nine five KFTC. Four one five two nine five KFTC. The classic with the uh, guy see something on the wing of the plane. I mean that's one of the all time classics, right? Yeah, yeah, you get the pig faced gal. Oops, spoiler alert. pig faced nurses. Um
3: right, exactly. Spoiler. Uh also the, the my favorite because it's such a great political political allegory, and I don't remember the title, it's with the the little boy who holds uh like uh magical powers. Over the town and everybody's t- terrified of him. Mm, okay. It's, it's a crazy good episode, but it's, it's scary. It's about, it's about the dictatorships.
4: But I think I was about his age when I first started seeing Twilight Zone, the old black and white episodes and digging it.
3: Mm hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Actually, Tim, uh, tweeted something else that I grabbed hold of about, um, you know, it's, how do I describe this without coming off as Joe Biden? about some of the prevalent attitudes, particularly among young Americans, and how poisonous they are. Uh, and we've talked about this at, at fair length, but it's a, a gal um who runs writing workshops and is dealing with creative young people and finds some of their attitudes absolutely abhorrent. We will get to that in a little bit, I hope. Uh, also, an actually comprehensible explanation of Schrodinger's cat. No oh boy. No offense, to who? I, to you, I and others found the discussion, when was it, yesterday, the day before, somewhat mystifying.
4: <laughs> <laughs> well, it has mystified people for dang near a century.
3: Yeah. Yeah, mostly because they misinterpreted what he was trying to say. Okay. Um. And I will explain that, and I think it's right, but we shall see. A couple of follow upy things. Number one, there was an absolutely obnoxious unctuous, hard to take column in The Washington Post by a columnist Paul Waldman knocking comedian John Stewart's appearance on the Colbert report. and it's just it's so incredibly
4: lacking in in self-awareness and insight. It's hard to believe. it's really amazing what a stir that has made. I think John Stewart went on there really with only one goal as a comedian and that was to get laughs. And to make jokes about
3: the biggest story of the past, you know, year and a half. Hell, century and a half. And so this Waldman character writes, Seems like a long time ago now, but John Stewart used to be an immensely important figure, sitting at the place where politics and pop culture meet. But these days he's retired and only emerges from time to time. And because he always delighted more in skewering Republicans, it was a bit shocking to see him go on an extended rant on the Colbert Show about the coronavirus lab leak theory. Waldman writes the lab leak theory has become associated with conservatives trying to prove that former president donald trump was right about everything oh
4: god well there's, you there's an overstatement oh my god yeah, what has I... happened
3: to the world that a sentence that bereft of logic wow. and that inaccurate is printed in the washington post god i remember when they had standards they had incredibly
4: high standards well i i asked the question last hour How long will Trump have to be off the scene before everything is not filtered through the Trump filter where you can say, yeah, I think the most obvious thing, obviously, is it came out of that lab without anybody even thinking about Trump. Right. And what he thought of it.
3: Right. I don't think his effect on the American consciousness has been fully comprehended yet, but I want to read you that sentence one more time. And and break it down a little bit. Waldman claimed, quote, the lab leak theory has become associated with conservatives. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Who associated it with conservatives? How'd that happen? You did it. (laughs) don't, don't, Don't act like it was some act of nature. You lying. Oh, I almost said a bad word. I am so sorry that I even thought it. It's become associated with conservatives, trying to prove that President Donald Trump was right about everything. Oh, it has been. It's Is that your summary of the freaking lab leak theory? And not the liberal comedian for suggesting, quote, it's the only plausible explanation for the source of the virus. This provides an important lesson about celebrities. You shouldn't get your political opinions from them or your scientific opinions either. Now, he shows a slight sense of self-awareness by saying, I know what you're going to say. That's just because this time a liberal liberal celebrity is taking a position you don't like. But it's not that. On the lab leak question, I'm agnostic. Might that be where the virus came from? Sure, or maybe not. But it matters only for the historical record. And questions like, what should international virology lab safety standards require? As a political question, it's pretty much irrelevant. Jack, would you like to attack that one? Wow, that in is... In a global
4: sense. That is really something. You know, when I when I hear about the lab leak thing, in my mind, the only thing on my mind is China and whether or not they're off the hook. Not Trump.
3: Yeah, this guy thinks there is no use to answering the question, how was the greatest cataclysm on Earth unleashed? And never mind the particulars of virology lab safety standards, Paul o- Waldman. What's his first name? Uh, he's he's my new arch nemesis. You just called him Paul, didn't you? No, I, 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 it is Paul Waldman. Sorry. Uh You are now my arch nemesis because you are such a liar or stupid, stupid idiot. Either way. <laughs> You need to be opposed with every fiber of my being.
4: Stupid, stupid idiot.
3: Let me, let me ask you this, Paul. Oh, man. Putting aside virology lab standards, if the greatest cataclysm in the last couple of, you know, certainly several decades, um, and it's not over yet, if that was unleashed by sloppy standards at a lab, but, but could have been nipped in the bud immediately, but for the peculiarities of the communist system, the never telling the truth to your boss above you, the always covering your butt, and if forces within the United States government were covering up the complicity of the Wuhan Institute because they had been promoting a particular sort of research, the gain-of-function research, you don't think that's worth asking, answering that question? What sort of belief in ignorance are you expressing? That's sickening. So
4: so what did you call him just a little bit ago? A stupid, stupid idiot? Yeah, so that reminds me. I came across this yesterday, um, the definition of idiot, which goes back to the... Well, I'll just read it. Um, the word idiot didn't come to mean stupid until the 14th century. Before that, starting with the ancient Greeks, because idiot's been around for a long time. Wow. Uh, the man who does not possess the public philosophy... The man who is not master of knowledge and the skills that, underline, that underlie the life of a civilized city. The idiot to the Greek was just one stage removed from the barbarian. He's the man who is ignorant of the meaning of the word civility. That's the way mm. idiot was for you know, thousands of years up until uh, relatively re- recently. Hmm. I, I like that as a particular word. As its own, own subject. I wish we could bring that back. Is there a Uh,
3: A similar word in the English language, you think?
4: Brute? Um, I don't know. know. A particular word that talks about you're just not smart enough to uh, participate in in civic society. Yeah. This got started because Jonah Goldberg... I think brute is a pretty good word. This got started by Jonah Goldberg commenting on one of Cher's tweets about something from the other day and it was just the idea of there should be a class of people that are defined by the old word idiot that is just like you do not have enough knowledge to converse on these topics stay out of politics or something like
3: that sean do you mind making note that jack brought up the view and share in a single hour of my lifetime and Coldplay, and cold play adding it and to the chris list. martin's crotch
4: <laughs> adding it to the list of a long list yeah. I just thought it was interesting to have a category of people. You are a blank. You don't get to comment on the politics of the day. I do agree. I do agree. It's or nice vote. to have a single term. You shouldn't vote. I, I feel like you're adding that on there.
5: <laughs> Armstrong and Getty With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
2: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom?